Good day and welcome to Practice Blueprint, the podcast. Each episode of Practice Blueprint captures our success and shares it with other practitioners. Our success is based on already making big mistakes so you don't have to. See, over the years, we have been fortunate to capture a proven, sustainable, and successful program which will eliminate fear, frustration, and stress while it advances your competency and your confidence so that you can develop a sustainable, profitable, natural health business. This system is built by practitioners for practitioners. It is not theory. It has been proven with over 30,000 clinical hours of hands-on experience to support it. In each episode, we will address real clinical challenges with proven, accessible solutions any practitioner can benefit from. This, in turn, will position you to develop that natural health business you've always dreamed of. So thank you for tuning in to this episode of Practice Blueprint. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Today, we are on our special monthly protocol Q&A. Correct. It's one of my this favorites. Is, you've read my mind and Sorry, took the words out of my mouth. I cut you off already. And no, it's like fine. To... We're just... It is my favorite because one of the biggest challenges practitioners face is understanding and applying the difference between classroom proficiency and clinical proficiency. There is a huge, huge difference. There can be, for uh, unfortunately for, for a lot of practitioners I've seen over, over the years, a big disconnect between understanding the classroom application or classroom proficiency of protocol, protocol selection, application, things like that, and then the clinical proficiency of delivering that to a client. And, you know, I love doing these and I, I apologize in advance because some of the stuff I'm going to share today makes me sound like a parrot a little bit. Um, but I'm going to get the message across and I'm not going to change the message because it is the truth. There's a lot of difference between the classroom proficiency versus clinical proficiency. And we're going to see some more examples of that. Some of the questions coming up, some of the ways to handle that successfully from you, the practitioner to your clients, things of that nature. So we've, this is, this is an area that our office has been really focusing on being very, very, um, sensitive to for, well, since we started practice blueprint, which was 12 years ago. So, um, this is an area and, and, and there's more evidence all the time that we are definitely going in the right direction with practice blueprint. It's a definitely, it's a, it's a huge needed component mm -hmm. in the world of nutritional therapeutics, of nutritional therapy, of herbology, of, of, you know, doing whole food concentrates, coaching, whatever it is that you're doing, your modality is not the issue. The issue is taking that classroom proficiency and then making it clinically proficient. And that's where practice blueprint is what connects those two dots. Okay. And everybody's searching around. They think, well, I just need more gadgets or I need more things or I need more training or I need more certificates. And, and so we, they spin their wheels and become extremely educated, uh, you know, in their field of herbs or whole food nutrition, whatever it is, kinesiology. Um, and yet they're still, it's not getting them, it's not connecting the dots. That proficiency in their book knowledge is not being connected to actually being able to clinically deliver that to the community. And that's where this comes in. And so really pay close attention today. Some of this, some of what we discuss or the questions that, that we have, which are great questions, by the way. I love it when they're 
submitted. Mm-hmm. Um, but I might sound a little bit like a parrot, so I'm going to keep going over this and over it, and maybe try to come up with different stories or analogies or from my own experience on how to apply this. Mm-hmm. Um, I always refer back to structured flexibility is another term that I use a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the structure of your classroom proficiencies and the protocols and the products you like to use, that stays the same. But the flexibility is how you deliver that. And that's where that clinical expertise comes in. And again, we got to be able to connect those two dots uh, effectively for the end use to, uh, the end use client so that they get the results they're looking for and, and so on. So we've got a lot of good things to, uh, to discuss and go over. And we're going to touch on some, uh, you know, the, the two things that we touch on with practitioners is the same thing as me as a practitioner. I touch on with clients. We all have blind spots and we all have neglects. Right. There's areas that we're just not aware of that we need to be aware of and apply and do and and become skilled at. And then there's areas that we know we need to do better, but we're not. And so we've got neglects. And that's the same thing that your clients have when they come to you. They have blind spots about why they got ill health and they have neglects. They have areas that they know if they did this differently, they'd get better, but they're just neglecting it. So so those two things from a practitioner to a client are the same as me as a practitioner being kind of like your practice practitioner today, right? When we do these Q&As, I'm sharing with you how to connect those dots in a structured yet flexible way to bring on display where those blind spots might be in your practice and your skill set, but also bring on display where there's some areas that you might have some neglect and we need to focus on uh, you know, changing some disciplines and some skills in those areas as well. So I hope that kind of sets the framework for our discussion awesome today. thank yeah. you yeah okay we'll dive right into um i think what i'm going to do is like two questions then i'm going to do the case study we got submitted and then two questions to kind of mix it up Perfect. um the first one is um i had somebody who was just kind of um it was partially a question partially an observation but um noticing that nervine can be really, really beneficial or helpful for, you know, anxiety. Um, this has been a very, very popular supplement this year. Yes. I mean, we all love it, right? I yep. keep it in my person bag at all times. Um, but that it will sometimes work really, really great. And then another time it's like it did nothing. Yep. Why would that be? So the first thing I think about, and again, this can be at like the early stages, like it's a brand new client, first week, two or three, or it can be someone that's been with us for two or three years, Mm -hmm. like that's been using our product line. The first thing I think of when you have somebody who has given you positive feedback on how their body responded to a certain supplement or nutrient, and then all of a sudden they're not responding, is blocked regulation. Mm. Blocked regulation is a neurological manifestation that there's a different underlying stressor potentially that needs to be investigated. For example, they might have a food intolerance that hasn't been successfully identified, or maybe they've been with you for a while, and as can happen, the excuse me, the the um, discipline of keeping food logs kind of gets a little weak, and then some foods kind of start creeping back that they had avoided in six months earlier, and they felt better, but now they're having a little bit now and then, and you know, no big deal, right? And they've creeped some of these things back in. So you got to check. And they could be totally unaware of it. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to watch for food intolerances, standing in the way of the body's ability to perform. That will also cause the blocked regulation. Scar tissue, sometimes scar tissue. When they first six months or six years, you're evaluating a client, 
scars aren't showing up, then all of a sudden scars come on display mm -hmm. as a stress factor that needs to be handled. The nervous system says, okay, I want to peel away this layer of stress now and improve my performance. So, you know, women, the episiotomy or perineal tear from childbearing is a huge one. It's overlooked by most practitioners, unfortunately. Uh, C-section definitely has to be looked at. For men, uh, circumcision or vasectomy scars, small maybe in, in location and everything, but, you know, they have to be checked. Um, and then your more major scars like, you know, gallbladder, appendix, open heart surgery, spinal fusions, um, tattoos and piercings, right? So we got to pay attention to the scars. Scars can go, can come on display at any time during the course of your client relationship. So always, always, always check for those things during evaluations. Don't, because you know the client so well, and that's never tested two years ago when you first met him, so you stopped or skipped a step, right? Mm -hmm. Don't do that, because that's when things bite you. Metal and chemical poisoning, right, is another couple of things that pop up. Immune challenges. Immune system is weak, uh, or they're compromised, they're stressed, so their um, exposure to uh, bacteria and viruses and things like that, now that's coming on display. So again, when you have a client who's responded nicely to a supplement or a product, they're getting the results, then all of a sudden, they're not, get, they're not responding to it like they used to. And this is a really key point. Really hear this. You don't give clients supplements to see what the supplement does to them. You put them on the right nutritional therapy plan to see how their body responds to it. So if you've been doing the right thing, they've been doing Nervine in this example, they've been getting results, they're responding, but then all of a sudden they're not. It's not the product's fault. Clients will sometimes think, even if they've been with you for years, they'll still sometimes think, that doesn't work for me anymore. No, what you mean is you're not responding to it like you used to. So let's find out why. Do the adjustments, find out where they're blocked, potentially blocked. Um, and address that, give it five to seven days, then go back and see if they don't start responding like they should. You'll be amazed at how many times it's a little bit of blocked regulation that's come on display and it caught them at, you know, timing's everything, right? But it came on display. They don't respond like they used to. And we have to, we have to remember that that's what'll cause that. So it's a huge, that's a great question. Yeah. Great question because awesome. we don't put, we don't give you Nervine to see what it does for you. We give you Nervine to see how you respond to it. And if you're responding well to it for six months or six years, and all of a sudden you're not responding, it's not the product's fault. It's the body's inability to use that product the way it had been using it all along. Okay. So you got to figure that out. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, next question would be, what is the difference between super enzymes and enzymes? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> You like that? That's not. <laughs> That's what you were looking for, wasn't That's it? That's not at all what I was looking oh, for. Oh, okay. Um, How would they? <laughs> so super enzymes. Enzymes. I love enzymes. I love enzymes. It stands for systemic enzymes, okay? Yeah. Enzymes. Systemic enzymes. Meaning it's protolytic in nature. Meaning that when taken away from foods... It will act as a natural support to your body's inflammatory responses, calming down inflammatory, right? Putting your body's nervous system back in charge when it comes to inflammation. So with food for your carbohydrate, uh, carbohydrate heavy diet, 
you know, people that have too much carbohydrates are having like carbs every meal. And I mean processed like potatoes or grains, breads, things of that nature, tortillas, okay? Um, when you take enzymes with food, you're dealing with helping them uh, to metabolize and utilize the sugars better, okay? When you take it away from food, you're using it to support normal anti-inflammatory responses in the body, okay? Super enzymes, super enzymes I never have people take away from food, number one. That's one of the differences, okay? Okay. And the other is, is that super enzyme has the betaine hydrochloride, hydrochloric acid, helps and ox bile, the emulsifiers to help your body break down fats and meat proteins better, especially for your clients that have had their gallbladders removed or maybe their appendix or both. Um, so those are the ones we look at there. And one to two with meals, um, usually with every meal for a while, uh, really, really uh, resets the body's ability to utilize those nutrients better. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. Okay, let's dive into a case study. Um, so this particular client um, got some recommendations back in May, okay. um, obviously including recommending some dietary, you know, get some more so vegetables, okay. right? Um, so a couple of different recommendations in there. I'm going to kind of breeze through this because I know we're limited on time. Um, she did do two back-to-back -back liver gallbladder cleanses. Um, as well as she's been on skin, hair, and nails since then. Okay. So um, she, her two biggest concerns were that she was having breast pain, okay. which the breast pain is in a much better place. Okay. Um, and then hair thinning. Okay. Her hair is still thinning, and now she's having um, like her lower extremities getting cold at nighttime. Okay. Um, I also failed to have everything printed off beforehand because it's been a bit of a busy day. Okay. So um, no thank news. you for sending in Janessa for her. I saw she did some food logs, so really glad to see she's doing those for you. Yep. Um, I could definitely see some areas that you could work with her on that. Um, because there's several things in there that I think are probably impacting her results. Mm. Um, one of the things we recommend with food logs, um, I'm really big on not food shaming people. Um, and so starting off with, let's focus on where adding foods in, right? Yep. So instead of take, it's really it easy to take it and say, oh, I really cut this out and take this. Well, look, like glancing at her food log, um, I can tell she's, she's not going to have a favorable score just by glancing at it on how we would score them. Um, so I wouldn't want to take it and say, oh, take this out, take that out, because she's going to feel like she's left with nothing to eat. But if I took it and go, um, okay, this, like, we can definitely work with this, right? And, like, praise her on um, the vegetables and the superfood that she got in there, the water that she, you know, praise her on anything that would definitely be a plus. Um, and then maybe encouraging, uh, let's look at what we can add in in the next week, right? So let's look at what can we add in on next week's food log, um, you've even done something really fun, which I liked with people that are really struggling is let's write it in ahead of time. I'm going to plan on eating an apple for a snack this day. Yep. I'm going to plan on having a salad for lunch this day or whatever that looks like. But walking them through that of like, let's look at where we could add some more plant-based foods. And that sometimes will naturally decrease the others. Um and then maybe going back and just listening to our food log episode and maybe looking at scoring it for her so that Perfect. she has 
kind of a guideline of like we'll have clients come in 50 50 60 40 which means 50 or 60 percent of their food choices are good right yeah and then we'll explain to them we really want you to be more at 80 20 or 90 10 depending on right where they're at what their goals are um and so okay if you're at 60 40 this week or you you know 60 percent of your foods are good then let's try and aim for 65 or 70 percent next week so we're never expecting perfection overnight but just kind of working with them to make progress there yeah. Um, her system survey, she had sugar handling mm. as the highest. Yeah. Um, and then I'm trying to read this, but it looks like she might be on a statin. Medications. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so I was curious. I know statins affect a lot of things. So I don't know Especially how that circulation. Is, I, yeah. I was going to say, I don't know how that affects uh, circulation or hair thinning. Mm-hmm. Um, so breast pain has improved. No change in hair growth. Um, she definitely has some areas she can work on with food, um, yeah. which I usually present to people as this is really good news because they're not always excited about their food changes that they maybe need to make of like, this is an area where you have the biggest influence over and it has the biggest influence over your health. Yeah. So we use it as an empowering tool for them that this is a way that you can take charge of your health. By just, let's work in some healthier choices, right? Yep. Here's what's missing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, she was thinking about increasing, um, I'm guessing, skin, hair, and nails to two dropperfuls three times a day. Yeah, and I think that's that kind of falls right in line with the clinical reference guide in terms of the volume of that support one okay. might need. So that would make sense to, to have that at the two by three. I think that's kind of a mm-hmm. standard way to do that. Here's the thing, too, that I would question is, does this person have a gallbladder? Um, we have to remember that hair is protein. And if the person's not metabolizing proteins properly or breaking them down, although on her system survey, it does look like sugar handling is the biggest issue. Where's group six? Up. Yeah, keep going up to group six. We're just going to take a look here. Wow. See, so very little that shows on Mm -hmm. group six. Um, but I don't know if this person has a gallbladder, if they've had issues there before, um, you know, in terms of actually breaking down and utilizing proteins properly in the gut. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that's something to consider something I would certainly check into, Mm -hmm. uh, the digestive points. If you're doing kinesiology and you don't even have to be doing kinesiology right across from the xiphoid process, right here at the center of the chest on the rib cage edge, if there's tenderness along here, if there's any tenderness along that rib cage, in other words, when you push on an elbow, it's very benign, very little sensation. You can feel it, but it's very, very benign. Okay. And you can push hard. It doesn't really produce much of a sensation at all. So when you go along the edge of this rib cage, right down through here, you should have a similar, like there's no discomfort. It's not tender in any way. And if they're tender on the left side, which in the video's opposite, but if they're tender on the left side, that is super enzymes. Right side is S zymes. Okay. Just kind of something to think about. You don't have to be doing, mm-hmm. you know, muscle testing or kinesiology to identify those points, their digestive points, uh, from Dr. Riddler. And, uh, they're very, very accurate in helping us identify the need for hydrochloric acid, ox bile, mm-hmm. uh, lipase, protease, amylase, those types of things, those blends of enzyme support. Because we're placing too much stress on the digestive um, processes of the body based on the diet. So the diet comes around over time. Here's what's missing. 
you know, not telling you what not to do. We're going to share with you what, here's what's mm-hmm. missing, what you need to do. Give the body more raw fuel that it can have those raw materials mm-hmm. to uh, restore, rebuild, repair, and cleanse at the same time. And that's done by food, getting the food on point uh, a little better. Yeah. So, you know, something to think about and look at. Um, again, find out if they, you know, if they don't have a gallbladder, super enzymes might be a better choice than enzymes. Um, because super enzymes will or get sometimes both. sometimes clients have to do both. Sometimes, and sometimes they have to do both. But if you're trying to keep, you know, the, yeah. the product count to a specific area mm-hmm. so that they can stay with you long enough. I mean, I get how to, you know, I understand having, having to, having to balance yeah. that sometimes. So, um, and I would say it's actually a really good opportunity to open that up for the client and, and again, kind of putting it back on them, but in an empowering yeah. way. Yeah. So, you know, maybe they've expressed concern that they don't want their program to grow. Yeah. Um, and, or maybe you can just feel like the finances, right? They've made comments or, um, you know, a lot of the times that will come up somewhere in conversation. Sure. You can then as the practitioner say, um, you know, I, I don't want to make your program bigger. We we like to keep a very small, manageable program. So I don't want to keep your program bigger. The good news is where you can make the biggest impact is with your food, right? Um, and anytime we make improvements on food, we typically uh, have a decrease in supplements. Yep. And or in you know a decrease in supplemental needs. Yep. So using that as kind of motivation for them to work on the food thing. Um, you could even pull the phase one menu, not saying that they need to do phase one specifically, but pulling the phase one menu where it has like, pick one thing from breakfast, pick one thing from lunch, pick one thing from dinner and giving that to them to have a guide and say, um, you know, maybe try and eat as close to this as possible. Um, you know, do your best, right? Again, we're not expecting that, that perfection overnight. It's always a progress. Um, that's why we like to use the scores and kind of gradually yep. work them towards where they need to be. But using that phase one menu, even though you're not working with Candida specifically on this case, right? Um, that is a menu that is beneficial for almost anybody. Yeah. And it simplifies it for the client of like, okay, here's something for breakfast. You know, just pick something for breakfast, pick something for lunch. But wh- the items that are on that list are primarily all plant-based foods or lean proteins. Yeah, yeah. Very true. Um, or healthy fats. Um, okay, cool. Anything yeah. else on that? I can't think of anything. I think that, you know, definitely on the right track, that definitely the basic program that's in place for this client is good. It's solid. It's addressing, you know, gut health. It's addressing overall nutritional support. Um, so I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not seeing a whole bunch there that needs to go different. But I would look into, uh, I would look into, you know, the digestive side of things. I would look into here's what's missing. On the food log, if you don't have a, uh, if you don't have a, uh, um, a good foods list, like what we give out, you know, and people ask all the time, uh, you know, well, what do I eat and how do I choose that? There's a couple of places, a couple of resources that we send them to. Um, one is our website, which there's over 50 pages of different recipes in there of great, great foods that are phase one compliant or just the good foods list, which gives you categories of foods like meats, condiments. Um, appetizers, dairy, cheese, uh, even desserts and beverages and things of that nature. So snacks. Mm-hmm. So if it's, you know, one of the things you can do to make things real simple for people is if it's not on the list, don't eat it. But that good foods list covers a variety of things. It gives them a mm-hmm. lot of choices yeah. and it's on one page and it's a great place to start if they're struggling with, you know, the, say their food logs are 50-50 or 60-40 mm-hmm. and they need to be closer to, 
you know, that 80-20 range. They need more, you know, good quality fuel in there. Um, we're, this is a way to look at things and say, oh, here's what's missing. Let's add some of this category and some of that category in and highlight it for them. Uh, you can make it a lot of fun. And it is just two or three adjustments a week, not 30 adjustments, but two or three, you know, add some of this in, add some of that, and you're missing some, you know, quality nutrient kind of based foods uh, that will help you in the direction you want to go. And, uh, and then always continually educate them. It's three, six, it's three to six months to get stable. It's one to three years to get well. Uh, you're on the right track and, uh, and be consistent, not perfect. Uh, and don't let up. Remember, it's structured flexibility. So, and I would celebrate the progress she's made as well. Absolutely. Because, um, because she is putting forth effort, right? Yep. And she is having reduced breast pain. So taking a moment to celebrate that so that she kind of acknowledges that she is having progress. Let's not just focus on, you know, that this one thing isn't where we'd like it to be. But we do have progress here. We do have progress here um, to just bring in that positivity. Yep. Okay, awesome. Um, all right, next question is, uh, clients come in typically with multiple concerns this could be kind of a i don't know do you have this happen every chance they get yeah they come even in with ones the list, that have been here right? several times and because we care so much we want to we want to address the entire list yep. as quickly as possible yep. and get all of their results as I'm quick as possible. I'm going to get 22 out of 27 week one, baby. We're going to get it dialed in. Yep. And I have this conversation quite often, quite often. so I actually added the question in just because it comes up frequently and I wanted to have him kind of share from his perspective because I know he deals with this on, on a daily basis. Um, when I deal with it, I would say more often than not, Candida is almost always on the list of things that they need to work on. Mm -hmm. And what we, the first thing I would say we want to remember is, okay, let's do deal with the candida first. Yep. Because it has over 250 symptoms attached to that one thing alone, not to mention the domino effect it creates in the body. Yep. So sometimes when we get that candida right size, their list gets a lot shorter yep. by that one thing anyways. Yep. Um, but I also would love to ask your opinion and how you deal with this. Well, allow me to take just a moment and clarify how that comes to us practitioners, right? <laughs> yes. So the person Please. comes in and they say, hey, doc, when I look up and turn my head right and I cough, this nostril flares, this earlobe throbs, this, th this calf spasms, I get this little rash on the bottom of my foot and I get a tingling in my small toe. What can we do about that? <laughs> And when you see 320 office visits a month, like I do personally, that's not that's not counting Tammy and Craig. About 282 of those people try that number with me, and they might have been here for six months or six years. It doesn't matter. So the point is, it's all about your education to them. So when they come in and they ask you that question about the 17 different things that are going on, and what are you going to do about it, Doc? You look at them and you say with a smile and confidently, uh, confidence on your in your voice. So if you could only fix one thing 100%, what would it be? This is a response that practitioners need to practice. They need to get in the habit of practicing it with, the, with their clients. Because your clients, yes, they want you to help them. And if they didn't believe you could, they wouldn't be there, right? So they, they, they have some level of, of uh, you're on track with them, right? Trust, rapport, authority, and control. So you, you have those things in place. But you try to fix seven or eight or 10 or 12 things at the same time, and that's where you get off track with clients and you end up losing them. 
So I'm going to share with you again when they say, hey, I look up, turn my head right, cough, this earlobe throbs, that toenail falls off, whatever. I mean, it's all these different things, right? I get a headache, I get dizziness, can't sleep, I've gained five pounds since last week, blah, blah. And what are you going to do about that, doc? It's like, great. If I could only help you fix one thing 100%, what would it be? Force the client to get focused. Get them focused, not this... There's an old saying, if you're not a meaningful specific, you're a wandering generality. Most practitioners, because of the communication from the client to them, are allowing the clients to create a wandering generality in a practice. And it's not successful. And it's very stressful. And you spend more time with clients than what you're paid for, so you're not compensated properly, which produces more stress. And it's this domino effect. Tell them to get focused. If I could fix one of those 17 things 100%, if I could help you fix that one thing, what would that one thing be? Make them get focused. Now, then you go through your evaluation process exactly the same. You're not looking for things that fix that. What you're doing is you're evaluating them properly to get them on the right program so the body can perform by design. So if yeast shows up, then it's very easy to say, you know, we get this one thing under control, that that and some other things might actually correct by 100% over the next three to six months. How does that sound to you? And that's it. That's exactly how I communicate with people every single week, every single day, uh, week in, week out, month in, and month out. And they get results and they get there and it takes, and they give you the time you need to help them correct what they've done to themselves. Okay. It's not up to us to fix anybody ever, right? It's up to us to help them by exposing their blind spots or their neglects, or in most cases, a combination of both, that they need to develop some different skills and some different uh, habits with, especially with their diet, lifestyle, and stress management. Mm -hmm. And that takes time. It takes three to six months to get stable, one to three years to get well. There is no way around it ever. And I tell clients that from day one. When they come to orientation, before I ever do an exam or evaluation, before we ever do system survey, we ever put them on a program, ever schedule them to be seen, they hear that front end communication. And that's where we as practitioners, I know I was 12 years ago, um, I was missing that boat. I was missing that since 2006. So what is that? 14 years ago is when I got on board with understanding it's my communication with a client that's actually keeping them sick. Because I'm not positioning them. Unintentionally. Unintentionally. Certainly unintentional, right? Um, but it's my communication patterns. My blind spots about how I'm communicating with them. Or I'm neglecting to say some things I need to and I know it, but I'm not saying it yet, right? Mm -hmm. And those are the two areas. And we have to focus on that with our clients. So, mm -hmm. And you'll get them on track. And they'll help you get focused on what how to help them. And it doesn't matter what you find in the evaluation. Anything can cause anything. We learned that in clinicals uh, 20 years ago, and that's still true today. Anything can cause anything. And we have anything. to remember that. Yeah. yeah. Always. Yep. Always, always. Yes. Okay. I will say for me, too, in the past, I've been very guilty of enabling clients. Mm. So I've had the communication challenge as well. Um, and along with that, I sort of unintentionally enabled them into not making the decisions they needed to make. Yep. Um, because I didn't want to hurt their feelings or yeah. was try or was too soft, you know, as a coach for yep. them too. So we all go through our learning mm -hmm. um, experiences, I'll yeah. call it. Yeah, educational experience. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Uh, we really appreciate it. And have an awesome weekend. Take don't, care. Don't forget to subscribe to the Practice Blueprint podcast. Take care and be blessed. 
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Practice Blueprint, the podcast. In order to get connected with us by way of Facebook or online or with our LinkedIn accounts, check us out at our website, countrydoctorwholesale.com. It's countrydoctorwholesale.com. There you can get plugged into a number of resources, give us feedback, ask questions, find out about future practitioner events, and be plugged into the Practice Blueprint Manual, which does provide over 20 hours of continuing education credits for practitioners that need it. It is a accredited nationally program with the ANMCB and the AANWP. So again, thank you for tuning in, and we look forward to catching you next time on Practice Blueprint, the podcast. <laughs>